called us to be normal. God never called us to be average. And you look at the Old Testament, he said you are a chosen nation. You are set aside. You're supposed to be different than everybody else. And he set them up that way. And he established them to be different than any other place, than any other nation, any other way. And so then you get to the New Testament. Now, some of the ways that we set ourselves apart is changed. But he calls us to still be a royal priesthood. We're supposed to be set apart. We're supposed to be sanctified, which literally means to be set apart. And I believe what has happened in the church is that in America, we started off being a nation that was founded upon the Bible. So we were a Christian nation, but it has become the American church. See, it was a Christian nation, Christ followers first, nation second. But now we have become the American church, nation first, followers of Christ, just part of it. And what, what has happened is we have allowed the church to be just part of culture. And what God's calling us is to say, you're not supposed to look like the world. You're not supposed to love like the world. You're not supposed to forgive like the world. You're not supposed to act like the world. What you are supposed to be is completely different. And so we've been going through this series and looking at the book of 1 Corinthians because that's exactly what Paul was dealing with in, with the church in Corinth. He had gone there, he had set up the church, and the, he leaves there, goes to Ephesus, and he finds out that things in the church, they're acting like the world. In fact, you'll see in the scripture today, he says, you are acting like the world. And he gets into the nitty-gritties. And we'll, we're going to talk about these in the next few weeks. One of the nitty-gritties that he gets into and, and it is a sexual thing that's happening in the church is where a, uh, a, a man is sleeping with his stepmom. Can somebody say Jerry Springer? I mean, it, it's like, what? You're just waiting. I'm, like, I read, I'm reading that, and I'm just waiting for the next. And the DNA test says, you know, it's like, what, what, this crazy stuff is going on. They look like the world. They act like the world. And I love the one, one of the commentators said it this way. He said that it's, the problem wasn't that there was a church in Corinth, because Corinth was a messed up city. You'll see, in our, even in our moral level, has had some issues. But it wasn't that the church was in Corinth. The problem was that Corinth was in the church. And so what we're walking through is the book of 1 Corinthians to look at what Paul was saying to them and how we can apply it to our lives. And, and so the reason I kind of made an adjustment to my teaching style, and I want you to hear my heart on this, is that last week I used an illustration that we, my, I, I used my son as the illustration. We take him the, when he started playing baseball, we'd take him to baseball practice, and we would put the baseball on a tee, and we would want him to hit off the tee. It's a perfect scenario. We had, the ball wasn't moving. I mean, all he had to do was swing the, the bat. And so we were teaching him how to swing the bat and how to hold the bat and all that stuff. And we gave him a perfect situation and perfect environment for him to hit the ball. And why did we do that? So that we could, when he got to the game time and the pitch was coming in at him, that he would be able to not think about all the extras. He'd just be able to swing and go at it. And he would be able to play the game. Well, in the Christian world, we have made Sunday into game day. You're doing it right now, whether you realize it or not. You came in here and you put your game face on. You did. This is, it wasn't the mm, game face. It's the, it's the Christian game face, right? 
king of the church. <laughs> no, I didn't, I didn't drag my kids out of bed. <laughs> no, no, I did not want to hang them up by their toenails this morning. No, that, that, was, no, that was me. I didn't just have a fight with my spouse in the parking lot. That didn't happen. It's all good, right? We put our Christian game face on. But this wasn't supposed to be game day. This is practice. This is the perfect environment. So what our worship team did was just prepare for you the perfect environment. They set worship up on the tee for you, where they were showing you how to worship. They were playing the music for you. They were getting you ready so that this week, when life hits you in the face, and you get frustrated, and things are happening around you, and, and you feel like the weight of the world is on you, and you just need a moment to be in the presence of God, you'll know all I got to do is pre- do what I've been practicing on Sunday. Just turn on the radio, I get, a, I get the playlist on, I get that worship music going, and I do what I've been practicing. Amen? And then, I, this is where, I, I, what I'm doing now is I'm, I want you to go from just hearing the word, and talking about the word, and writing down some notes, to getting the word of God in you, because the word of God is powerful, It is anointed, and when you understand that you can get into the Word of God on your own, and as you read the Word of God, your life will be transformed by the Word of God. But what we've done is we've allowed this to be a moment where this is game day, and this is the only time that we get in the Word. This is your practice. So I'm actually changing the way that I'm teaching, because practice is important. Let me me just, I, I, I pulled up a couple quotes for you. Tony Dorsett said, I'm a strong believer that you practice like you play. Little things make big things happen. So if you're going to practice, if you're going to play like you practice, then you need to get ready. So get your notes out. Get your notes out. Get ready. Get ready to take some notes. Get ready to get into the Bible. Get ready to circle. Get ready to highlight. Because when you study the Word this week, you're going to need to do that. So we're going to, if you, okay, you don't like that one? Let me give you Kobe. Kobe said it this way, it's not about the number of hours you practice, it's the number of hours your mind is present during the practice. Bring it in. All you online, focus. You can actually type that in in the comments, just write that, focus. Here we go, you ready? So we've been walking through 1 Corinthians, so we're going to go now to 1 Corinthians, and this is where I get to have fun, because now, watch this, I can write on here, and when I write on here, it shows up there, so like this. Dear brothers, do you see that? Look at that. So if I can say hi, right? And then you guys would all say hi. hi. <laughs> so, uh, this is, I, I'm telling you, I'm going to have so much fun with this. I, I, it is going to be ridiculous. See, I can get rid of all that. There we go. So I'm going to have a lot of fun. So what we're going to do is we're going to get into the Bible and here's what, the, we're going to read through it and then we're going to jump into some context and we're going to study the Bible as if we were studying it, but we're going to apply it as we go. You guys ready? You guys ready? Yeah. <laughs> nice. Dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I would to spiritual people. I had to talk, to, uh, talk as though you belonged to this world or as though you were infants in Christ. I had to feed you with milk, not with solid food, because you weren't ready for anything stronger, and, if, and you still aren't ready. For you are still controlled by your sinful nature. You are jealous of one another and quarrel with each other. Doesn't that prove that you are controlled by your sinful nature? And aren't you living like people of the world? When one says, I am follow, a follower of Paul, and another says, I follow Apollos, aren't you acting just like the people of the world? 
After all, who is Apollos and who is Paul? We are only God's servants through whom you believed the good news. Each of us did the work the Lord gave us. I planted the seed in your hearts and Apollos watered it, but it was God who made it grow. It's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. The one who plants and the one who waters work together with the same purpose. But, but, and both will be rewarded for their own work. For we are, both God, we are both God's workers and you are God's field. You, uh, you are God's building. Because of God's grace to me, I have laid the foundation like an expert builder. Now others are building on it. But whoever is building on this foundation must be very careful. Not, uh, for no one can lay a found, any foundation other than the one already laid, Jesus Christ. Anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials, gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw. But though on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. And if the work survives, that builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved, but like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. So, context. Paul is writing to the church in Corinth. The last two weeks we have talked about, who, or last three weeks, we've been talking about how he was speaking to them. So last week our focus was on the fact that he had a huge contrast between godly wisdom and human wisdom. Godly human and worldly human wisdom. So let me give you some pictures. So here's Corinth. Corinth is, there's the, I got it circled already for you. Uh, that was a carryover from the first service. So there's Corinth. It is uh, uh, a, in Acts chapter 18, it says that Paul left Athens, which is right there, and travels to Corinth. This is so much fun. You're going to, I can even do this. Look at that. Zoom it in. Whoa. Zoom it in. There it is. So you can see right there. Now there is, uh, there's the, the isthmus. Now let's zoom in because we would need to see this. I, there's some really cool things. If you didn't watch my AC chat, uh, uh, not AC chat. Corey and I talked on Authentic Chat this past week about uh, a lot of details here. So here is the Isthmus of the Corinth uh, connecting the two main parts of Greece. Um, and there's this, right here, right here is where Corinth would have been when Paul was there. In the 1800s, it got moved to there. But uh, they built a, a bridge, or a, not a bridge, a road that connected the two gulfs. And the reason they did that is because if they would have traveled this direction, the ships would uh, most likely would have gotten beat up in storms and sunk. In fact, Paul has a situation that in Acts, uh, uh, at the end of Acts, where he's on his way to Rome, and he, this uh, ship uh, gets, crashes and he's shipwrecked, happens because they take this route. So most ships would come across here, and they actually built a road that they would take the ship out of the water, put it on a, on a cart, and take it all the way across, 3.7 miles to the other side, and put it back in the water, and off it would go. <laughs> it's so cool. The human wisdom that built this place is amazing. Here's a picture of what Corinth looks like today. So if this is aerial photo, uh, photo um, it, of, of the ruins that are there. And I want to just show you this real quick, because the amount of things that took place here, I'm going to show you a graph of what it looked like at the time of Paul, that Paul was there, was amazing. 
The work that they put in this place, the buildings that were there, the temples that were there, were amazing and beautiful and human strength and human power and human wisdom did it all, and this is what lasts today. See, human wisdom fails. It's not eternal. It will fail. It'll, it'll fall apart. But here is what human wisdom had built for them in Corinth. This is uh, some really cool stuff here. So you got a, uh, the theater, which would have been a Roman theater here, which actually uh, would have sat 18,000 people. It's a lot of people. Here is the Odium. That was uh, a place where they did uh, orient, uh, the, the, um, orators and uh, people would come in and perform in this place. There was, uh, that would seat 3,000 people. That's what it was is designed just for people to come in and do a message. What's interesting is here is the, uh, the Agora, which is what we call the courtyard, the main courtyard. So the Agora is built and has, it's, the, it's here, here, and here. Can you see that? So all around that would have been built around this thing, a Bema. A Bema looked like this. This is what it looks like today. It's a big, huge stone platform. And so everything that happened in Corinth operated around the Bema. What was a Bema? A platform where the uh, traveling orators or people who wanted to speak to the public would come in and they would go up on this platform all around the marketplace. All, everything that was happening in Corinth happened around this area. So here they are all in this area and constantly, this was, Corinth was known for being a place for, for people who wanted to come and perform for them. Now, here's what's interesting. I didn't share this with the first nine o'clock. I got distracted and maybe I just had too much caffeine now, but I'm just, my mind's going too fast. Here's what's interesting. They found documents of, uh, uh, of what they would talk about here, and it was all about life lessons, how to be a success in life, how to live your best life now. This is the, the stuff that they would perform and put, present to them. They would give you the three topics to have be a successful financial manager. I, did, I don't know if that's what they called it. But that's, they would do these performances. And what the goal was is that they would get such a following that they could then go to the Odium and perform there. But with a, like, people would have to pay tickets to get in. You want to, let me put it in modern day. They would get on Facebook. They would say, hey, listen to the good stuff I've got. I've got this. You really want to grab hold of this? All you need to do is click the button below to subscribe. So Facebook would be their Bema. And the, uh, you, your subscription would be going into the Odium. Not much difference than it is today. You want to live? You want to know how you can get rich right now? I'll show you how you can set your Amazon storehouse up right now. <laughs> right? All you got to do is click the button below. That's what they were doing. So all of this is built. And so this is, gives you context of what's happening. So last week, if you go back and talk about the lofty wisdom, and he says, I didn't come to you with all those, like, fancy words. He's saying, hey, I didn't get up on the Bema and talk to you guys. I'll show you why he didn't get up on the Bema. In just a minute, he didn't need to because all around it was the storehouses. So let's dive in here. Let's look at what he said to them and how this all connects. So he says, dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I would to spiritual people. That's the same as saying, here we go. Let me do this. Spiritual people, I couldn't talk to you like people who have godly wisdom. You didn't have it. You were new to Christ. And he says, I had to talk to you as though you belonged to this world because you were using human wisdom. 
or as though you were infants in Christ because you were just new to this, and that, that was okay. I had to feed you with milk and not with solid food because you weren't ready for anything stronger, and then you still aren't ready. Paul says, hey, guys, I, I came, I was with you for a year and a half. I spoke to you guys, and I told you how to follow Christ, and I was giving you the gospel of Jesus Christ over and over. And I, last week we said the only thing he wanted to teach them was Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was giving it to you, I was giving it to you, and now I left, and I'm in Ephesus, and he's in Ephesus for three years. So we can be anywhere from two to four years after he's been here, and they're still not ready to grow. They're still being immature. And he says, you still aren't ready for this. And he says, for you are still controlled by your human wisdom. You are jealous for one another, uh, of one another and quarrel with each other. So real quick, a little side note. If you want to like, identify whether you're operating in godly wisdom or human wisdom, here's two checkpoints. Are you jealous? Are you quarreling? If you're, what your choice, the choices you're making are ending up in quarrels and jealousy, you're operating in your human wisdom. He says, doesn't that prove you're controlled by your sinful nature, your uh, human, na uh, human wisdom? Aren't you living like the world? When one says, uh, says I am a follower of Paul, and another says, I, I follow Paul, aren't you acting like the people of the world? Aren't you acting like the people that got, they, they listened to the guy that got on the Bama, and he gave his little speech, and then you went over and bought the subscription and went to the Odeum and listened to him? Aren't you acting like the rest of them? He says, after all, who's Apollos and who's Paul? We are only God's servants through whom you believed the good news. Each of us did the work the Lord gave us. So here's where I want to make sure you catch something. Here's a word. Last week we like highlighted wisdom over and over. Here's a word you need to circle a couple times. Each of us did the work the Lord gave us. I planted the seed in your hearts and Apollos watered it. So what work were they doing? Paul says, I, uh, oh, no, that's not what I wanted. I, <laughs> so much fun. I planted and Apollos watered. So there was work there what they were doing. It was work that the Lord gave them. But it was God who made it grow. Now look what he says about that. It's not important who does the planting. That's the work. It doesn't matter who's doing it. Or the watering. That's not what's important. What is important is that God makes the seed grow. So the type of work is not the important part. So whether you work as a custodian or whether you work as a doctor, that's not the important part. Take that off the table. It's the work the Lord gave you. The one who plants and the one who waters work together with the same purpose, and both will be rewarded for their own hard work. For we are God's workers. We are both God's workers. And you are God's field and God's building. Because of God's grace to me, I have laid a foundation like an expert builder. So that's, there's some building. That's, building is how work is done. Building is a form of work. And now others are building on it. Whoever is building on this foundation must be very careful, for no one can lay a foundation other than the one we already have, Jesus Christ. That, here, let me, let me get, like, If you want to know what Paul is about, just read the first four chapters of, of 1 Corinthians. I'm about Jesus Christ and him crucified. 
The only thing I want to talk about is Jesus Christ and him crucified. The only thing, I, I know it's foolish to the world. I understand that it doesn't make sense that this is the only thing I'm concerned about. But my focus and my dedication is the one thing and the one thing only. That's Jesus Christ. That's it. So he says, anyone who, uh, let's go back here. Anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw. But on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, that builder will receive a, oh, builder <laughs> will receive a work. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved, but, the, but like someone who is barely escaping through a wall of flames. Now, if you were to stop right there and go, hey, what is Paul's focus right now? Scribble, 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 work, work, work. Because he's saying over and over again, hey, it's not about the work that you've done, it's about how you do your work. Your work matters. Your work matters. This is, there's not a better day to talk about this than graduation Sunday. When we talk about, hey, you're moving from high school into college, the way you operate in college matters. Okay, middle school. Let me back up a little bit. Middle school to high school. How you operate in middle school and high school matters. Your work counts. How you got, you graduating from, from college? <laughs> Let me tell you. The way you work matters. Why does it matter so much? Let, let's, there's context to all this, right? So we got to back up. Let's go to, remember Acts chapter 18 is where Paul goes into Corinth and begins the church there. He says that he got there, then, uh, this is going back to Acts chapter 18, it says, then Paul left Athens. So he goes from Athens, comes over to Corinth. He says where he was, uh, became acquainted with a Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, who had recently arrived from Italy with his wife Priscilla. They had left Italy when Claudius Caesar deported all Jews from Rome. So this is the fun part. This matches up exactly when the Bible and history, oh, they, they match. It just confirms. So here's the, sto the situation. Claudius had said, I'm, I'm done with the Jews. He's blaming the Jews for things that are going wrong. And so he kicks them out, and they, they have to find a place to go. Uh, Quill and Priscilla end up in Corinth. It says, Paul lived and worked with them, for they were tent makers just as he was. So there, there's the work that he did. He gets there, and he finds a couple of guys who are, are uh, a couple that is working as tent makers. Now, real quick, tent makers could mean a variety of things. Most likely, he made some type of tent, either out of leather or out of some type of uh, fabric that was woven together out of, out of hair. And he made this, and uh, so there were tents that would be, the, uh, Corinth would be a good place to sell tents because there would be sailors who would get off and need a place to stay. They would buy tents and live in those tents. It was also, they would create awnings over, out of, uh, out of the, uh, this material. Also, another thing that would be used uh, by tent makers that they would sell and make is uh, sails for ships. So perfect spot. Great place to set up shop for a tent maker. So he's there, and it says that he worked with them. And then added, each Sabbath found Paul at the synagogue trying to convince the Jews and Greeks alike. What was he doing first? 
First thing he was doing was working. Second thing he did was he started preaching. Now, I told you that Paul says, I didn't work with lofty words. I didn't get up on, the, on that bema. That wasn't my concern. I, I didn't get up there and perform for you guys. I didn't speak that way. Why is he able to say that? Because surrounding the bema, all of this right here is all the stores, all the shops. And guess where he was at? He was in one of those shops. Him, Aquila, and Priscilla were in one of those shops, and here's, a, here, here's what they look like today. You can find the ruins of them. They, they are about 13, they were 13 feet wide. Uh, well, I'm sorry, 13 feet high, 13 feet deep, 9 to 13 feet wide. That's what they worked in. What they discovered is that they, when they found these shops uh, and they were doing the excavation, they found that they, these shops, and then they had an upstairs to them. And that's where they lived. So Paul says, I didn't need to go get on the Bema because I was spending my time in my shop preaching there. That's where I used my words. That's where I used my action. That's how I spread the gospel in Corinth was not presenting in a Bema. I, I, he went to the synagogue, but my, every day, six days out of the week, he was in his shop sharing the gospel how he worked, because his work mattered. Here's another picture of the ruins of what they look like now. Um, now, work mattered to Paul. In fact, when Paul writes his letters over and over again, he tells them, hey, I'm praying about the way you work. First Thessalonians, he says, remember, we remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. Wrote in 2 Thessalonians. So we keep on praying for you, asking our God to enable you to live a life worthy of his call. May he give you power to accomplish all the good things. Some translations put that as the good works. Your faith prompts you to do. Here he says over and over, I'm praying that you understand that your work matters and that I'm praying that you're productive in your work. Here's Galatians chapter 5 verse 6. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. I mean, this, is, this is where we got to, I'm going to have a little fun here. <laughs> we, 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 for some reason, have turned faith into this, like, spooky thing. Like, it's like this thing that happens over, well, it just happens. Faith is just this thing. How do we know people have faith? By their actions. How do, we, how do you know if your, faith, if your faith is being built up? By the way you're working. The way you act. The way you treat people. The way you work matters because your work is a demonstration of your faith. Good, good preaching. Thank you. So here's what you need to understand. Is that work is what we are blessed to do. Work is not something we're cursed with. Right now, tonight, some of you are going to go to bed going, oh, tomorrow's Monday. I don't want to go to work. Or this Wednesday, I don't want to go to school. I don't want to. Your work is not something you're cursed to do. Your work is something you're blessed to do. Now, I know that Genesis chapter 2, verse 15 says it this way. It says uh, that you, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to what? Work it. 
and keep it. That was his, he created Adam to do what? Work. It, this wasn't after the curse. This was before the, they were cursed. Before they made bad decisions. He said, I'm producing in you, I'm making you to be a worker. You are created to do good works. So, so work is what we're blessed to do. Work, we are blessed to make a difference. So we work, work is what we're blessed to do, and then we are blessed to make a difference. Let's look at how Paul writes that. He says, anyone who builds on the foundation may use a variety of materials. So what's the foundation? It's Sunday school. Who's the foundation? When anybody asks you in church an answer, just yell Jesus. It's most likely gonna be the right. Okay, what's the foundation? He says, may, they may use a variety of materials, gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw. So there's really two kinds of things here. What the first things, what, what happens if they're putting uh, gold, silver, and jewels are put in a fire? They're purified. What happens to wood, hay, and straw? They're gone. So, but, but on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show each person, if a person's work has any value. The work survive, if the work survives, that builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved, but like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. See, you are, you are blessed. Your work produces. Your work produces. So we have to understand this. This is so foundational to how we live our lives as followers of Christ. That we work. So our work is what, is what we're blessed to do. We are blessed to make a difference. And how do we make a difference? Is through our work. Your work produces. What is it producing? So immediately, oh, well, my, I, my work is, I, I, I'm an accountant. I just count, I do numbers. So it really, it's not that big of a deal. No, your, your work has value because it produces something. All I do is I go out and I'm, I'm, I, I labor. I'm a hard laborer, okay? How do we have the things that we have in this room? How do we go to the store and buy things? You wanna go home and you wanna buy a rocking chair. Let's use this as an example. You want a nice rocking chair for your house, right? How do you get a rocking chair? You go to the store or you go on Amazon and you order a rocking chair, it gets delivered to you, right? There was work that happened, had to happen Skills that had to be used to, for it to come out. We are blessed to make a difference by what we do. So there had to be a guy who went out into the woods and cut it down, right? And then there was another guy who took it and sawed it down to certain sizes and shipped it off to be put into a lumber store. And then there was a guy that went to the lumber store or a girl that went into the lumber store and then she cut it down to size and put it all together and fastened it all together. Then there was a guy who picked it up, put it on his delivery truck, took it to the store or brought it to your house off of Amazon. <laughs> there was a guy who drove the car of Amazon and brought it to your house. All of it matters. You don't have the rocking chair without the work. Your work, you produce through your work. So what are you producing? So this is where you gotta evaluate your life and how you're working and where you're working. Because if, if just let me just like put a couple out there. If you are in the, the, the line of work where you're selling recreational drugs, <laughs> you might want to move into another working environment, okay? That's not producing good things. 
Okay, you, you just, you need to understand your work matters. So you're producing through your work, uh, through your work. You also produce as you work. Paul was able to speak to them and people came to him and as he worked and he produced and he served with excellence and worked with excellence, he was able to produce and make a difference as he worked. And finally, we will produce from our work. You get a paycheck, right? You go to work. And this is the one that's obvious. You get a paycheck, and we say, hey, it's your opportunity to give. And take the giving envelope, and you fill it out, or you get in line, and you give. And because we come together, and we do these things, we're able to do big things. We're able to see God work in great ways. But I think many times we forget the first two, that we produce as we work, and we produce through our work. But more importantly than anything is that we have to understand Paul writing to the church in, to the church in Ephesus, he says, for by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It's a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. So that no one may boast. So that no one may boast. Wait a minute, Josh, you just said our work matters, and now you're saying I can't even work for it. Exactly. This work is already done. See, you can't work for salvation. You can't work hard enough. You can't produce enough. You can't share the gospel enough. You, there's nothing you can do enough of to receive salvation through your works. Because the work was already done. The work was already done. You can't make up for your sins. You can't make up for your failures. You can't make up for your inadequacies. You can't. You never will be able to do it. But Jesus Christ already did. Jesus Christ already did all the work that we needed. When he got on that cross, and he allowed them to nail his hands into that cross. And they took the spear and put it into his side and all of the work that he was doing in that moment was so that when he was buried in the grave and he resurrected, not because we did anything worth it, because he loves you that much. That much. How do you accept that work? It's a gift from God. And the only way you can receive it is by turning to him and saying, God, I accept the gift you've already given me. I accept the work you've already done. If you're here this morning and you're ready to take that and accept that gift of salvation, this is your opportunity. For some of you, maybe it's an opportunity where saying, you know what, I realized at one point that his, he did work for me, but now I've gotten distracted. This is an opportunity for you to turn back to him. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I wanna pray this prayer, a prayer of commitment, of turning to his work. Lord Jesus, your work is done. It is finished. It was done on the cross. And I thank you that I can receive the gift of salvation because of your work. Today, I turn to you. I repent. I'm going to follow after you because your work is done in my life. In Jesus' name, amen. What's interesting is that many times we stop here with this verse. 
But the verse continues, for we are his workmanship. His workmanship. See, when he did the work so that he could produce through you, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. This is, you, you have the opportunity today. You've accepted his gift of salvation. Now you are blessed to work. His work prepares you to work. Your work matters. You need to understand that as you are, that we're, we have been blessed to work and that we are, making, we are blessed to make a difference and that through our work, as we work and from our work, we get the opportunity to demonstrate to this world the gospel of Jesus Christ. I wanna pray this blessing over you. Lord Jesus, I ask for your blessing upon every single person in this room and those that are watching and listening online. Lord, that we understand that our work glorifies you. It matters. It matters. You created in us good works. Lord, today I ask a blessing upon each one of us, whether we're students, those that work, those that are the amazing people that work in a home and are creating an atmosphere for those that are working, all those that work in every aspect. Lord, I pray a blessing on them that we understand our value, that our work matters. In Jesus' name, amen.